Hello friends and welcome to another episode of Bat Flips and Maple Tips. You are being treated to the sweet sounds of Justin and Patrick recording at home today. Our friend Clayton is battling something and wasn't able to join us this morning. So we are here flying by the seats of our pants and hoping that we don't stir anything up too bad without them. Uh, just before we get going, some housekeeping uh, items here. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and sometimes Instagram, but rarely. Give us a follow on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. We're great on there, retweeting a lot of Jay's news, interacting with the fans. And if you have some questions on Twitter, send them in to us. We're happy to take those questions. Uh, listen to us, Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Big shout out to the people at Blue Jays Aggregator for continuing to share our content and helping us get the word out there. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. I want to kind of throw it over to Patrick now as we get started here. So we've had some big free agent signings, Patrick. Uh, the big three what are your impressions on the contracts that the big three guys have gotten so far? It's a ridiculous amount of money. And by the way, before we get started, isn't it kind of weird how, like, think about how many times Clayton's been on on the DL or the IL since we started this podcast. Neither one of us has, has missed a single episode. I think uh, Clayton's been on the IL more times than Anthony Alford. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Maybe it's more ridiculous. times than Devin Travis. <laughs> whoa that's don't that say things you can't take back yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's just funny how we're like the cal ripkins out here just busting these Iron ridiculous streaks. streaks we never miss an episode and it's even though our schedule lately has been a little bit all over the place it's kind of yeah. cool because i can't think of any other blue jays podcasts that are like us that just keep on trucking even when nothing is going on we're finding ways to just continuously put out, you know, an episode here, or an episode there, or whatever. And we're—it's rarely longer than two weeks that we go without an episode. Yeah, I think two weeks has maybe happened once or twice, and the and the one time was intentional because we we just said we were taking a break around Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So anyway, and that's—I think that's enough patting ourselves on the back. No, no it's pop the tires. Yeah, we're pumping the tires. but The big uh, three. The big three. Let's go talk about some baseball. <laughs> yeah. Garrett Cole signing with the Yankees. It's funny because I said this absolutely was not going to happen. But then nobody else came close to giving him the perks uh, and the hype talk that the Yankees did. And a little shout out to Andy Pettit, future Hall of Famer Andy Pettit, uh, for being the guy at least the boots on the ground that made this signing happen. Yes, he definitely got a lot of uh, good times with, uh, with you know, the uh, management and all that stuff. But Pettit apparently was the guy who really sold Garrett hmm. Cole on playing in New York and being, you know, a Yankee player in the city and what kind of impact that has. I'm sure, you know, the massive you know, MLB shattering or record shattering <laughs> signing had something to do with it. But, you know, I can't blame a guy. But um, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Are you surprised or? Um, no, I'm, I'm not surprised. I mean, the Yankees were going to get one of Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg. I was pretty uh, adamant about that when, when, when we had asked the question a couple weeks ago on do we think they can get both of them. I, I thought there was a pretty realistic shot that they 
got one of them. I knew they weren't going to get both because even the Yankees couldn't shell out $600 million for, for two pitchers. That's just, it's not that I say that out loud. It sounds even more ridiculous. But no, I, I think I think Garrett Cole was the guy that they, they wanted to get. Um, he's got the history of, of being, I guess, a little bit more healthy than Strasburg. And he's pitching for, for two different teams now. And he's been in the, been in the tough American League, obviously went to a World Series with the Astros uh, this year. But I really feel like they got the guy that they needed. I'm sad because we're probably going to see him three or four times here in the AL East against the beloved New York Yankees. I say that with really, really sarcastic tones. Uh, <laughs> but we'll, we'll see him a few times. But it'll be fun to watch him. I, I've never really got to watch Garrett Cole outside of playoff games with Houston. So I'm looking forward to at least seeing him work. Yeah, he's definitely... Uh, he's bordering on being a generational talent, uh, at least in the last few years. It's does this propel the Yankees into being the heavy, heavy favorites out of the American League, or is this one of those things where they pick up a big player, but it's more about how they took him away from every other team than it is like he mm. really puts them over the edge as being. The Yankees are now the uncontested favorites of the American League. What do you think? I think it, on, on paper, it definitely puts them ahead. But we've seen them the last couple of years. Obviously, Luis Severino didn't pitch until like the final couple of weeks of the season and then into the playoffs. Um, Aaron Judge had some issues. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton has not been able to stay healthy the last couple of seasons. So on paper, yeah. they look like a like 110-win team. But in reality, they'll, they'll probably win maybe 95 to 100 games, probably still winning the division because I don't see anybody else, maybe besides Tampa Bay, um, that, that can threaten. That's, that's weird to say, too. That can threaten the Yankees, especially when Garrett Cole be making basically more than the entire Tampa Bay's Rays roster, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's it's going to be interesting to see what actually shakes down. I still have – I mean, the Astros are still a good team, uh, and they've still got Justin Verlander. Uh, they've still got a great offense. Um, we'll see if they have the garbage can helping them out like next year too. But uh, <laughs> I like that. I'm going to get that in whenever I can. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. definitely no surprise that, that Cole goes to the Yankees. And I think, yeah, I think it does make them the, the on-paper favorite going in. Yeah, it's hard to look at the Yankees, even the, looking at the Yankees' starting rotation, trying to find a weak spot. I want to say that it would be Masahiro Tanaka, but Tanaka has had bad seasons before, and he's bounced yeah, back. Bounced quickly. back. Yeah. yeah, so like there really isn't a weak spot in this lineup, at least as far as the rotation goes. I'm not super sold on their bullpen, although obviously uh, Chapman, despite you know whatever personal <laughs> things he has going on. Um, He's obviously one of the better closers in baseball. I Yeah, I mean, it's weird, but I'm actually looking forward to the Jays facing off against Garrett Cole more because, you know, um, the cream rises to the top. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think this is a real opportunity for a lot of those young Jays hitters to see the very, very best that the world has to offer and see what they're made of. And I think... I, I would not count the Jays out as far as being able to to deal with Garrett Cole. He's obviously an all-world player, but like 
I don't know. Like for me, <laughs> I think I, I'm just very interested to see what happens this coming season. But uh, enough about Garrett Cole and the Yankees. Fuck the Yankees. Yeah, um, let's uh, let's talk about the Nationals, World Series champion Washington Nationals, and unlike Kawhi Leonard, Steven Strasburg, he stay, and he I, he <laughs> and also he get pay. um i i think this was great i think you you called this right you said he was gonna stay oh yeah oh yeah um i'm not surprised at all this him opting out of the last year and his deal uh not a surprise at all i knew he was gonna odds Mm. were that he was gonna come back he might have taken a meeting or two but i'm not willing to bet that he ever kind of strayed from the idea of coming back to the nationals i already said it i think they're going to repeat as champions yes they just lost a huge piece of their lineup and we'll talk about that in a minute but steven strasburg is an all-world pitcher so is max scherzer and with patrick corbin as your number three guy would be a number one on you know at least two-thirds of major league baseball yeah this is you've got three of the top 20 pitchers in the league right now in your rotation you're wow. like they're, they're they are primed they are paying for it but it's really it's, true though yeah yeah it's uh, and it's funny too because they didn't win a world series until after they got under the the weight of having bryce harper on the team and now they've got another key piece uh splitting so do you want to talk about that a little bit or yeah, let's uh, let's talk about Anthony Rendon for sure. Um, the Angels went up and got him this this week. That was in seven years, I think, two hundred forty-five million. So, uh, average annual value of thirty-five million dollars a season, which is the same value that Strasburg got on the same deal, same seven-year two forty-five, and Cole got a nine-year three twenty-four. So, an extra million dollars a season for him. But yeah. but Rendon, uh, this is a huge get for the Angels. It's a, a bat that they've needed in the middle of their order around Mike Trout and around a um, shell of a, of a man at Albert Pujols who still hits 20 home runs but doesn't do a whole uh, bunch else for you. Uh, but I, I like this pickup for the Angels. I was kind of surprised that, that they went out and got Rendon. I thought they were going to be more in on pitching than anything else because that is where they're weak. Obviously, they lost uh, a pitcher to an unfortunate incident last year with uh, Tyler Skaggs, but yeah. but Rendon definitely fills a huge need for them, and he's been he's been great for a bunch of years now. Uh, a guy who is way above league average, league average across the board. He walks almost as much as he strikes out. He has positive defensive value oh, when he's coming off of a. Uh, 34 home run season where he hit 319. So you, you don't find too many guys like that who play 146 games a year and put up those kind of numbers. Yeah, I mean, if I'm the Astros right now, I'm probably a little, you know, shaking in my booties, knowing that uh, Anthony Rendon is coming over to the American League West, and mm. it certainly does some damage as far as whether or not Oakland can continue to uh, rise above expectations. Now they've got to deal with a much better equipped Angels team that's been kind of struggling to make the playoffs or make any sort of impact in that division at all. I mean, I still think that Oakland is going to be as good as what they were. 
I really question whether or not the Astros are going to be able to be as good as what they've been the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. And I think I think this Anthony Rendon signing, as massive as an overpayment as I think it is, this is going to be a huge thing for them. And then once Albert Pujols uh, comes off the books, which I think is next year, is it not? I think he's got a couple more years left still. I'm just going to do a quick check on that. And he's the thing is, Pujols is the is the kind of player who will play in, until the contract is up. Yeah, he just he just wants to get every every bit of baseball he can, and rightfully so because he's one of the best players we've ever seen play. Um, I don't know where he's at as far as uh, records go, but he's definitely going to be someone who will get very close to 700 home runs if he's not already there now. I think he's like what. Uh, 630 or something like that something right now. like that yeah he's he's gonna be he's 40 now or will be in 2020 season and he's gonna be making a uh, a cool crisp 29 million dollars this season and oh. then 30 million dollars in his age 41 season before he becomes a free agent so the angels yeah that that 10-year contract that they uh, inked him to in 2012 when he was uh, 32 years old. It's looking a little bit, uh, a little bit dicey. <laughs> yeah, but do we like? Let, all right, as far as defensive value, obviously not there anymore. Yeah. Um, he had two forty four last year, but his OBP was still three hundred five, which is not bad. Uh, he only struck out sixty eight times last year, compared to forty three walks. So it's not like he's hurting the lineup. And he oh, yeah, he's 90- never, he's never been a strikeout machine. Hey, he had 93 runs batted in in 131 games last year, yeah. along with 23 dingers. The Stays guy, healthy. yeah, as long as he's healthy, he's as good a, a you know a top you know four hitter in your lineup as anybody. Probably want him batting cleanup, Trout third, Rendon second, or maybe even Rendon first. I don't really know. It's it's hard to say, but. Yeah, he's got 656 career home runs, so there's a chance that he can get the 700 in the next couple of years. He's got to hit 44 home runs in two seasons as a 40 and 41 year old. So tough, tough to do that. But if anyone can do it, it's the it's the machine. That's his name. <laughs> I mean, career OPS 927. This guy is first ballot. <laughs> yeah, he's absolutely going. He'll be as close to uh, 100 percent, I think, as humanly possible. Wow. What a segue, because uh, <laughs> I want to do a Hall of Fame update here, too. So let's look at us throwing in a good old segue with Clayton. But, yeah, the, the, the 2020 Hall of Fame voting, it's underway. Um, if you guys aren't following at not Mr. Tibbs on Twitter, you should be. He's the guy who heads up the Hall of Fame ballot tracker. So when there is a public ballot released, he has a big, fancy Excel spreadsheet where he keeps track of everybody who is eligible and how many votes they have received. If the voting closed today, Derek Jeter, 100%, he's going in. Roger Clemens, 77%, he going in. Barry Bonds, 77%, he going in. And our boy, Larry Walker, proud of BC, he going in too, 77%. So it's Larry's last year of eligibility on the uh, Hall of Fame ballot. Do you think he's going to make it, Patrick? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's the thing. It's really early right now. It's very difficult to say mm. uh, as far as like whether or not these percentages are going to stick. I dare say 
the only one that will stick to where it is right now is Derek Jeter. Um, I know we can talk about his lack of defensive value all day long, but it's not going to matter. Derek Jeter is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer no matter what, and he deserves to be. And I know yeah. that's a spicy take. Not really, but <laughs> it's it's early, and I think it'll be interesting, especially the closer we get to knowing the full percentages or when everything is kind of shut down uh, and it's been determined. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll track this thing right now. It's only uh, about 6.6% of the votes uh, mm. are known. And again, there are a lot of dudes who aren't voting for the maximum amount of players. And I get it. It goes both ways. Yeah. But at the same time, like, fuck, it's so stupid to see somebody vote for Derek Jeter and nobody else, or Derek Jeter and uh, you know, like Barry, Barry Bonds. Yeah, and nobody else. no, I so I agree with you. I don't know if I would have a ten-player ballot, but I would have probably eight. As I look at it right now. Uh, well, I mean, let's go. Let's let's do a, a quick thing, a quick look at the list as far as like who who's uh, who's most likely to get the the votes. So we'll start with uh, Bobby Abreu. No. He'll get enough to stick on the ballot, I think, but he won't get in. Yeah, Barry Bonds. This it's really interesting how it's it's the, with the steroid era and everything like that, and performance enhancing drugs. How the heat is really starting to to fade on these. I mean, I already said what I wanted to say about this. You know, at least a year ago when we talked about this. Mm -hmm. I'd rather wait until cheaters uh, have passed away before they get put into the. Baseball Hall of Fame, it's probably not going to happen. It's probably going to end up happening this year for Barry. Good for him. Uh, Roger Clemens is also kind of above the 75% right now. He's on pace to probably get in. Again, it's annoying because these guys, like Roger Clemens is very blatant about lying about being on PEDs. Yeah. And then he got caught, and now he's getting into the Hall of Fame. And guys like Rafael Palmero were like drummed out of baseball's existence for doing the exact same thing. So like, I it it really bothers me a lot. Todd Helton, I think Todd Helton is going to be a guy who gets in on like his ninth or tenth try. He's got he's got some. He's got numbers. He's got numbers right now. He's he's 33% of the known votes, which obviously only accounts for nine votes, but that's still not insignificant. And I mean, let's see, let's see where we're at, you know, uh, a month or two from now, as far as where his, his are Andrew Jones, same thing about 15%. He'll stick around. Uh, Jeff Kent is seeing his numbers kind of bump up a little bit. Um, I'm really interested to see if, if Barry Bonds and Jeff Kent end up going in at the same time, that would be pretty funny. <laughs> I'm really kind of disappointed to see Andy Pettit not getting more. He definitely deserves more. Kind of the same with Manny Ramirez, but again, you know. PDs. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting. One thing I'm extremely happy about right now is Kurt Schilling has 74.1% of the vote, which is not enough to get into the game. <laughs> Just need to do this three more times, folks, to make sure Kurt Schilling doesn't get into the Hall of Fame. So let's keep gaming those votes. My personal pick of guys who I think deserve to be in the Hall of Fame 
um, but will probably have to wait a little bit longer. Billy Wagner, currently uh, in his fifth year of eligibility, only has about 18.5% of the vote, so he's going to stick around on the ballot. But, Justin, are we starting to see a change in the narrative when it comes to relief pitchers getting into the Hall of Fame? Oh, man, that's that's tough. I mean, I think there there are definitely relief pitchers who are deserving of being in the Hall of Fame, and if there are, then Billy Wagner is, is for sure one of them. The the voters are getting younger. A lot of the old boys club that has been voting for the Hall of Fame for so long are starting to um, have their votes, I guess, taken away by the Baseball Writers Association of America, and they're giving them to newer writers who maybe are more like us, who are more focused on the the stats, more so than what people have actually done as a human being. Um, and, and I kind kind of respect that. I mean, you don't want to vote like an absolute D-bag into the Hall of Fame, but if that absolute D-bag was maybe the best player of all time, um, you might want to get him into the Hall. <laughs> I don't well, know. It's, it's, called, it's, it's tough. It's called the Ty Cobb <laughs> principle where the pete rose principle or that too yeah i mean well the thing is pete rose like i said pete rose probably not going to get in until after he passes away or if he's on death's door and then the veterans committee you know somehow gets the go-ahead from manfred um we'll see but the only the only guy out of this list i really don't want to get into the hall of fame for personal reasons is kurt Schilling. fair enough uh even though I, I don't, you know, when cheaters cheat, they, they're dead to me. <laughs> I'm not going to kick up that much of a fuss if Barry Bonds gets in. I just hope I just hope that, you know, when guys like he and Clemens get in, it's unceremonious as possible. I don't want yeah. to take away from Larry Walker from getting into the Hall of Fame because he's getting in. The boy is getting in, whether it's through the Veterans Committee or whatever. They'll right the wrongs of, of these idiots. Who, who do the voting. Um, but yeah, shout out to uh, to Tibbs for being the guy who, you know, puts together just an absolutely fantastic spreadsheet uh, who just keeps track of, of everything. It's just, it's amazing. And I'm glad that we have some accountability. And it's yeah. good to know that some guys uh, are actually getting, like, punished for, or losing their ballots and uh going to somebody else for sure yeah cool. well, let's uh, let's hop back into a few other free agents before we wrap it up today um we talked about the big three already but let's talk about a couple more of these guys uh zach wheeler we were we were pretty high on him i know i was pretty high on zach wheeler i wanted the jays to take a run at him and apparently as as ross atkins has said about every free agent we were we were highly interested <laughs> Ooh, ooh. If Clayton was here, he'd say it's almost like they're up, almost as if they're up to something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but the Philadelphia Phillies went out and signed uh, Zach Wheeler. Um, good contract, bad contract. What do you think? I think it was a bit of an overpay for Wheeler, but it's great because it takes you know an elite pitcher away from division rivals uh, and puts it into their roster. Um, yeah. At 30 years old, this is as good as Wheeler's going to get. And he's actually a very, very good pitcher. I just mm-hmm. think the amount that they paid for him, it's quite high. The Jays did uh, allegedly, uh, you know, pursue Wheeler a little bit, but it wasn't as aggressive. 
it well, obviously it wasn't aggressive enough to contend with a five-year, hundred and eighteen million dollar contract uh, from the Bills. Um, that contract's going to look bad in year four and year five. Yeah, but, it um, could. Yeah, I mean, we also lost out on Kyle Gibson. Uh, the thirty-two-year-old ended up signing with the Texas Rangers. This is another guy that the Jays were definitely uh, in the mix for and unfortunately just got outbid by Texas. That's fine because the Rangers, you know, good for them for picking some, you know, picking up a player uh, and then getting paid big bucks like that. But the Rangers aren't going to be any better than what they were last year. You so. say that, but I'm just on Twitter right now. Um, Jeff Passan from ESPN just tweeted that the Rangers are in the final stages of completing a trade to acquire two-time Cy Young winner Corey Kluber from the Cleveland Indians. So that's the thing. Wow. That <laughs> is surprising. But I wonder what they're dealing. Because that's I gotta... don't know. But you look at their, their rotation now, as uh, Scotty Mitchell just tweeted out from TSN, he says, uh, Texas has laid down a good blueprint for how to build a non-homegrown rotation as you rebuild. So 2017, they signed Mike Miner. Uh, Lance Lynn was 2018. Kyle Gibson. Uh, Jordan Lyles, they signed shortly after uh, after Gibson. And then they're going to trade for an ace now. So that's uh, pretty interesting. Um, but, I mean, Kluber is 34. Um, he's losing velocity the last couple of years. I don't know if I'd call him an ace anymore. Still a very good pitcher and probably the best on that staff. But it's going to be interesting to see how, how good he ends up being for the Rangers. You know, the AL West is, has become the most interesting division. It's a dogfight. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. And I'm really interested to see what pieces they're sending to get Corey Kluber because I feel like it's got to be... It's there. They must be mortgaging at least part of their future. So we'll kind of see what happens. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it'll be a lighter return than, than everyone's kind of thinking because I mean the guy is 34. So we'll see. Uh, the other big guy that uh, the Jays definitely aggressively pursued and uh, a little more aggressively than others was Mike Moustakis. Obviously, Moose uh, Tacos. Moose Tacos ended up signing with the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, the Jays were overwhelmingly outbid. However, uh, they did send some dudes uh, down to his house to actually have one-on-one -on -one meetings with him. So it was closer, but obviously we missed out. Yeah. Uh, was Moose Tacos going to be the guy who makes or breaks this team? Or... <laughs> As you would say, no. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think so either, but he would have been a great addition just because he's got that power bat, and he gives us that first base stability, which we need desperately. Because you no, know, you know, all due respect and love to Rowdy, I I don't know if he's going to be the first baseman uh, of the future. We'll kind of we'll see though. You never know. I'm a little bit disappointed though that the Jays didn't go after Carl Edwards Jr. or Dan Winkler. Both guys are. Uh, pretty decent relievers to coming off of not great seasons. Um, Isn't Carl Edwards a NASCAR driver? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I think I remember seeing it on Sports Center one time. Yeah, is that his dad? It, I don't know. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, 
Guys, the Jays actually signed. Uh, <laughs> let's just talk about Tanner Roark. Um, two years, $24 million here. The guys made like 30 starts for I think like the last four or five years. He's pretty healthy. He's not going to pitch a deep in the games, though. He's like a five-inning guy. Decent numbers. I mean, he put up a couple war last season with the Nationals. Um, upgrade over a lot of the failed projects we've had. You've got names in here like Pannone, Biagini, Sanchez, and Gaviglio. Um, yeah, I think he's more in line to stay as a starter here. And I, I don't mind the contract. I, we're, we're seeing people paying... $30 million for, for six war players, so playing $12 million for for a two-war pitcher seems to be a pretty adequate spend, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on, on the, this signing? If he puts up a stat line, you know, identical to 2019, I would be over the moon ecstatic. Oh, yeah, guy, that's a win. Yeah. yeah, the guy went 10-10. and 10. His ERA 4.35 is a little disturbing, especially coming into a division that it ha- does not have uh, pitcher-friendly parks. It's a little scary. Um, his whip at 1.397 is a little bit higher than what you would hope for, um, but career trajectory, you know, that was a little bit higher than what we normally see from him. The guy's an inning eater. There's no other way to put it. We yeah. got him for, for nothing but money. And if this is the big signing, I'm disturbed, but I kind of see him as being, at the very least, a number four or number five guy for us, which isn't terrible. Obviously, uh, we're looking at uh, Shoemaker, Baraki, uh, Chase Anderson, and now Tanner Rourke as being guys who are probably locked into spots. I don't see them bumping... Trent Thornton out of the rotation uh, because Trent as a rookie wasn't terrible. Uh, He's definitely inconsistent, definitely has some issues, but as far as control goes, but I think they give him another shot as a starter. So I think our starting rotation is probably set now, unless there's some kind of like mega deal where uh, Barucky gets sent out of town and somebody else superior comes back. But I don't see that or happening. Or we sign somebody, right? Well, that's the thing. It's like, who's left? If we end up uh, signing someone like Hyunjin Ryu, who we apparently are the number one uh, suitors for. Allegedly. Then, allegedly. I think that spells uh, serious concern for either Baraki or Thornton. There, I would say their spots are probably threatened. I would say Baraki over Thornton. Would, would be, be more uh, would be more threatened just based on health. Well, that's the thing is like, is Baraki going to be ready to start the season? And if he's not, then obviously that means Trent Thornton's going to be uh, somewhere in the rotation. But then we've got a problem in that. How many lefties do we have in that rotation? You know, you pull yeah. out Baraki and you're looking at it's a bunch of righties. And well, reuse the lefty, is he not? He, yeah, but at the same time, if you only have one lefty out of five, I don't know. I wouldn't like that, but you and I know f- how much more, how much of a benefit it is to switch, you know, lefties and righties in the lineup and what kind of impact it does have. At least it gives us somewhat of an edge against 
teams that are going to come at us with overwhelming power like the Yankees. But I think Tanner Rourke, the signing is okay. Obviously, it's not as flashy as the other ones, but um, yeah, whatever. We got okay. Tanner Rourke. We signed Justin Miller. Justin Miller uh, looks like a diamond dozen reliever. Um, he's definitely better than any of the guys we've DFA'd or non-tendered. Um, he'll probably just chew up 50 innings uh, whenever Sammy Sammy G isn't ready to come in and do the long relief. <laughs> so um, a question for you, Justin, before we wrap up. Out of the guys left, the big names at least, you know, who? what are one or two names you'd like to see the Jays sign and what kind of impact do you think it'll have on the team uh, you know, at least in the short term. I think out of the guys we have on this list here, so just for everybody at home here, we've got Bumgarner, Donaldson, Ryu, Keikel, Ozuna, Castellanos, and Yasiel Puig. The guy that I would like to sign the most off this list is Marcelo Ozuna because we need outfield help. So that's my that'd be my pick. Yeah, the level of stability he would provide to the outfield um, mm-hmm. would be. There's no way to measure it. Um, the way I look at this is there are a few names on this list that I think they're just unlikely to sign just because they're too high profile and I don't know if they're going to want to come to Toronto. Um, I don't think Mad Bum would ever consider Toronto seriously, even though they are building. And even though he's 30 years old and he could probably put together a good five-year stretch here, I just I think he's just going to cost more more money than anybody else and i just don't mm-hmm. think i just i just don't think he would ever seriously consider toronto um and then the other guy i i don't think ozuna would ever con- seriously consider toronto even though he is close to the age range of the rest of our stars i think what'll end up happening is we're gonna end up signing the number two or number three choices out of who's left so i do think uh hyung jin ryu is likely to be a J. Uh, that would be fantastic because he does add a lot of stability to that starting rotation. And he would definitely be the guy you'd want to slot in at number two. As to who is our opening day starter, oh, it's going to be tough to choose. I think it's going to end up being some uh, young guy. So if Baraki is ready to go at the start of the year, it'll be him. And if it's not him, I honest, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I have a feeling it's going to be somebody, a young guy like Trent Thornton. Matt Shoemaker, an opening day starter. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, I'd actually think, since Ozuna's probably out of our price range, uh, Nicholas Castellanos would be a pretty good choice. Um, oh, he's going to be crazy too, though. It's true, he is. I would love Yasiel Puig, but he comes with so much downside as far as like being a distraction. I just don't know. Could Toronto media handle Yasiel Puig? Or would it just be... Um, I think Yasiel Puig would have a little bit too much fun in Toronto, which could be a good thing. <laughs> but also, yeah, it could go terribly wrong. I think it'd be fun. I think we'd have a blast with Yasiel Puig. <laughs> I'm all for yeah. it. Make it happen. Yeah. I mean, let's see. Uh, I am very, very excited uh, to see what happens over the next few days when it comes to free agency, but... Um, you know, in the meantime, any final thoughts as far as uh, who's left? Do we want to say anything about Josh Donaldson, or is he... No, he's he's not coming back to Toronto. There's no reason to bring him back. Uh, I don't think that reunion could ever happen. Uh, 
Um, <laughs> nor do I really want it to. I, I we had some we had fun we had some good times. We we won an MVP award in Toronto, but other than that, let's let the guy uh, go play in the National League somewhere. I think that's probably where he'll stay. But I mean, I think that's probably it for this episode. We we do have something special coming up for you guys this week. I'm not going to say anything. Uh, about it just in case we flake out <laughs> but <laughs> we we do have something planned that's going to be pretty fun that'll be coming at you here in a few days so stay tuned for that uh patrick you've got the outro song today what do you have for us yeah so uh we're closing out with uh, an old school banger a banger van halen's cover of you really got me so have a great week and uh you'll probably hear back from us again real soon i'm excited and uh we'll see what happens when it comes to the free agency signings perfect yeah so for for patrick this is justin listen to us on anchor itunes apple spotify google play and give us a follow on twitter at the fmp podcast let's let the sweet sounds of van halen carry us off Don't